Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to South Valley. It is time to worship the Lord. Come to your feet. Let's raise our voices. If you're joining us at home, we want to encourage you to lift your voices up in your homes, wherever you are. Give God some praise. Come on.
Well, we're just getting started with worship. You can have a seat right now. Marcus has some things he wants to share with you. Yeah, how we doing, South Valley? Oh man, so good to see y'all. So y'all could join us. It's such a blessing to us, and we're so glad that we can do that together. If you're online with us, hello. Give us a, a what's up in the, the chat. We would love to hang out with you too. We are just so blessed, amen, just blessed by the living God who is just alive and active today. And we just have just a few things coming out the gate. We're heading into the month of May, and there's so much that's happening, and we just wanna make sure y'all are in the know. So first of all, if this is your first time here, or if you've just been coming just re more recently, we really wanna get to know you. And so if you wouldn't mind filling out our Connect card, you can fill out the physical card that's here underneath the seats in front of you, and then just drop them off at the donation stations on your way out, that would be awesome. Or if you wanna fill it out online, we would love to be able to follow up with you, answer your questions, get to know you, and just to be a support and a resource to you. So just want to make sure that you're aware of that. Also, in the month of May, Mama's Day is coming, y'all. Mama's Day. All you moms, man. You moms have it going on. You do all the things, a lot of the things. As a new dad, I'm, I'm learning about those things. So I'm really excited uh, just to be able to share, just as we shared last week, that we have child dedications that are happening this next month on the 9th, Mother's Day, both services. It's really just an opportunity for you as a family just to make that commitment to the to church body, the church family, to say, hey, we want our children to know that we love Jesus and that we're a family that's pursuing Jesus, and we are wanting to pursue him as a family. And so if you're interested in that, you can uh, go ahead and sign up for that in the Church Center app. If you haven't downloaded that app, you definitely want to go ahead and do that. Or you can go to svcclamore.org, and then at the very top, there's a link that says register. Just click on that, and we'll get you connected to that. It's going to be wonderful, a great opportunity just to support you in your, your walk as a family. And then also in the month of May, a couple weeks after that, it's Baptism Sunday up in here on that day, the 23rd. Uh, yeah, you could clap for that. That's totally worth celebrating. Absolutely. Lives change. We, we, as a church, we exist. SVCC exists to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and maybe y'all are like me, man. Like I, September 18th, 2005. Uh, that date is imprinted in my mind, in my heart, because that is the day that I stepped forward and decided, you know, I'm going to declare my love for Jesus, because that's what baptism is, is. It's an outward expression of the inward decision that you make to, to say, you know what, I love Jesus. And I was baptized as an infant, y'all, and I'm so grateful that my parents, you know, at, at the time we were at, at practicing a different faith at that time, and, and I'm grateful that they thought that it was important for that to happen, but it was not yet my decision. And so as I got older and as I learned more about Jesus and his amazing transformative love for me. I made that decision uh, by his hand, and I'm just so grateful to have taken that step. It's a memory that will stay with me forever. So if you're interested in getting baptized, please sign up. You could actually, there's a QR code on the way out. You can just scan that and sign up that way. You can do through the uh, Church Center app as well. Uh, that's available to you so that you can also sign up. And if you've got kids who are asking those questions about baptism and they want to know more about Jesus and what baptism means, uh, that is also available for them as well. There's a first step for kids class that's happening the week before that on the 16th, uh, happening at 10.30 a.m., right in the or right at the beginning of, or just before the second service um, begins on that Sunday morning. It's a great class that the kids can take with you and with the amazing children's ministry. Our children's ministry, y'all, is just amazing, by the way. You just, please, 
like, yes, just like give like encouragement to them for the amazing work that they're doing. And hey, maybe you're interested in maybe taking on that role of serving in that ministry. I'm sure Ron and Reagan would love to have you there with them. So lots going on, you guys. We are just so blessed and so grateful for the God that we get to serve. And we want to just continue to be um, just a living sacrifice, a living offering of what it is that uh, it means to, to honor him with what we have. And so we do have giving continuing through online. And uh, you can also give at the donation stations as well. We're going to put the ways in which you can give here. Just know that when we give, it blesses the heart of God and it blesses so many communities uh, around us and ministries around us. And it's just kingdom work that's being done. And so we're so grateful that we can step into that and lean into that and to support what it is that the Lord has in store uh, for Kings County and more. And so we thank you. Thank you for being here today. And we hope that this morning just blesses your heart and sets you into a trajectory of joy. You guys have a great morning. We'll catch you in a bit. Thanks, Marcus. Hey, church, we're going to continue to worship, and I just want to encourage you that as we're coming into the presence of the Lord, it is a great way to lift our voices up, to center our hearts on what God is going to talk to us about this morning. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so I, I'm kind of crazy about worship. I love worship, so I would encourage you to do that as well. I, you know, I have ADD, so my mind goes over here and talks to me, so this is, this is what I see. Okay, so I, I want to encourage you, because the past couple weeks have been like rocking, like you guys have been like, woo, and I think we're kind of settling in a little bit. That's what I feel, like, okay, so I want to encourage you. Here's what I feel, okay? This is a new day. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We come with a heart of praise. We enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise, because if we're not loud about God, ain't nobody going to be loud about God. See, it's not, it's not about coming to a building and being in a club and go, let's see what God has to say today. It is about coming here into a huddle and getting excited about what God is doing and going out there and going, you know what? There's something exciting happening on Sunday. I want you to come with me because it's going to change your life. So we're here to worship because it changes our perspective and it recharges us and it gets us excited about God and it helps us not get comfortable. It helps us to get uncomfortable because God is going to use us to change the world. So I'm going to invite you to come to your feet and raise your voices up and get loud for the Lord because we ain't doing this by ourselves. Here we go. This world has been crying out for for hero to save us. We long for the supernatural. There is only one God to save the day. That's right. So clear the stage, prepare the way, because heaven and earth are singing. Come on! Glory, hallelujah. Let the whole world see. Come on! The greatness of our God. Hear awesome wonder. He reigns forever. We know. no one above him only our savior wears the crown there's none who can stop him 
not even the grave could hold him down. There is only one king who can save the day. So clear the stage, prepare the way. Cause heaven and earth are singing, yeah. Glory, hallelujah. Let the whole world see the greatness of our God in awesome wonder. He reigns forever. We know the greatness of our God. His power is endless. He lives within us. We know the greatness of our God. you close your eyes. I want you to lift these words up. Because our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome and power. Our God. Our God. We sing. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God.
feel a little bit better now? A little bit? A little bit? Yeah. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. We give you praise, Lord. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for bringing us to this place where we could be together. You are always with us wherever we are, Lord. So we pray that this morning that you would dwell among us and speak to our hearts, Lord. Let us just calm our spirits, Lord, and come into your presence seeking you and what you have to say, Lord. Help us to come with open hearts and open minds to receive you, Lord. Pray that whatever we're struggling with, Lord, we can just set aside. Pray that we can set it at the cross, Lord. Knowing that ultimately you can deal with our problems far better than we ever could. Lord, we give you praise for things that you're doing. We honor you, Lord, with songs of worship, just an offering to your throne, Lord, praying that those songs would be a blessing to your ear, Lord. Lord, if there's even one here this morning who came here who doesn't understand the love you have for them, Lord, maybe there's someone watching online who's just tuning in. Lord, I pray for those hearts. I pray you would speak to those hearts. Let them know they're loved, they're precious. They were created by you. You have a plan for them. And you sent your very best so that ultimately you could have a relationship with them, Lord. So we pray for life change today. Lord, we thank you for all the things you're doing, and we give you praise for how you're going to move. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, good morning, South Valley. How are you today? My name is uh, Tim. What's your name? Well, it's nice to meet you if I haven't met you. It's good to be back with you uh, two weeks in a row, and uh, you've got a new pastor and I'm not him. <laughs> and so I'm looking forward and excited for those of you that don't know, the, the church has hired a new lead pastor, Pastor Ricky. Him and his family will be here at some point this summer as they work out the details. But as I said last week, I want to remind you this week as well that the same God that led you to Pastor Ricky and his family is the same God that will lead you the next few weeks until he gets here, right? And so we're excited about that. Growing Healthy Church is the organization I lead, and I'm also the lead pastor at uh, the Well Community Fellowship, and so they've allowed me a few times a month to be down here and help speak some, and they send their greetings again, and they're looking forward to your new pastor coming. Uh, I miss them, and they miss me, and that's a good thing, right? So, you know, money has power. You know that. Money has power. And several men were in the locker room of a golf club, and as they were getting ready, changing from their golfing outfits into their business attire, somebody's cell phone on a sink where a group of men had get, gathered around to shave and get prepared, uh, a cell phone began to ring. And a guy picked it up, and he put it on speakerphone, and he said, hello. And the voice on the other said, oh, honey, is that you? You're still at the golf club? And he said, yes, I'm still here. And she said, well, I just wanted to let you know that I'm at the mall right now, and they have that leather jacket that I've been talking to you about, and it's only $1,000. It's on sale. Can I get it? And he said, well, I mean, you've been wanting it for a long time, and if it means that much to you, sure, go ahead and get it. And she said, you know, on my way over to the mall, I stopped by the Mercedes dealership because we were interested in those new models that they had, and they have the model that we both like, and it's only $150,000. Do you think I should stop by and sign the papers and go ahead and get it? And he said, well, just make sure it's the one with all the options. But that sounds reasonable. These guys that are listening to him talk are somewhat shocked. And then she says, oh, and I want to let you know that the house that we were looking at last year that I loved so much, 
but it was taken off the market. Well, I noticed it's back on the market now, and they only want $980,000 for it. Do you think we should put an offer in on it? And the man said, well, I think go ahead and offer in this environment today, go ahead and offer a million, and if they don't take that, what we'll do is we'll offer another 25000 on top of that. And she said, really? And he said, yeah. She said, oh, babe, I love you so much. And he said, I love you too. She said, I'll see you later. He said, okay. And he hung up the phone. And the rest of the guys are standing around, just shocked at the conversation they've just heard. And then this guy picks up this phone and he says, does anybody know whose phone this is? (laughs) Money has power. Listen to the sound of money. John D. Rockefeller, the founder of Standard Oil Company, when he was asked one time, multimillionaire, how much money does it take to make someone happy? His response was this. Just a little bit more. A little bit more. You and I live in a society where the gospel of money is proclaimed loudly. It will make you happy. But there's probably not a one of us in here that would agree with that statement. Each of us knows that it will not, but we want more of it. So we want more toys, more clothes or houses. We still live most of our lives, if we're honest this morning, we still live most of our lives chasing money. Whether it's through how we use our credit cards or buying things that we think will bring us happiness or relating money to our securities because we have to have this huge retirement so that we can feel secure. But as we'll see, it can be taken away like that. I like the quote that says this, we spend most of our lives buying things that we don't really need with the money that we don't have to impress people that we really don't even like. So let me ask you a question. Who is more content? A man with a million dollars or a man with 12 children? And the correct answer is the man with 12 children because he doesn't want any more, right? (laughs) A Roman philosopher by the name of Seneca said this many centuries ago, money has never made anyone rich. The deception of money is so important for us to grasp because we are taught in our culture today, if you have it, you have it all. But be aware, that's not what Scripture teaches. Last week I talked to you about changing our mindset, how we look at money. Our mindset, what we think. What we truly believe drives what we do and what we don't do. And so the writer of Romans would say in chapter 12, verse 2, not to conform to the world, but be transformed. And how are we transformed? If you read, it's not on the screen, but if you read in Romans 12, 2, it says you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to think differently about things. And today, we're not talking about amounts, so everybody can relax, okay? Just take a deep breath and say, oh, man. I'll be glad when Tim's not here next week. (laughs) We're talking about mindset because what we learned last week is whatever captures our attention is really the Lord of our lives. So how is your mindset towards money and what it promises? Do you often think if I had more, it would solve my problems? Do you often think if I buy this, I will be satisfied? 
Do you often think if I earn this amount, then I will be secure? Do you think if we have this amount saved, then I'll be secure? The Bible has a lot to say about money. And Jesus would say we have to be very careful about money because either we master money or it will master us. And so I want to lead us on a key mind shift today. And then I'm going to walk us through some different levels of giving. A key mind shift about money, and this is talked about in many passages of Scripture, so I've just pulled out a two that talks about a great biblical principle. We're going back to the Old Testament for this one in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 and 11. It says that David, this is King David, he praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Let me repeat that. For everything in heaven and in earth is yours. Will you repeat that with me? For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You're exalted as head over all. And this is repeated in Psalm 24 when the psalmist would write this. The the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. So here's the mind shift that we have to make. We have to understand that God owns everything. Everything comes from Him. And until we resolve that issue, we will always struggle spiritually. But we, we don't really think and act that way, do we? we? We talk about our things. We own our car. I own my truck. We own our house. We own our clothes. We have our savings account. Uh, I've worked hard for it, and so it's It's mine. But the truth of the matter is actually opposite if we think about it. We don't even own ourselves. If we follow biblical teaching. We don't own anything that we have. You know how I know this? Die and see if you can take it with you. Like the old quote says, you'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Job in the Old Testament learned this. When in just a matter, a short matter of time, everything that he had accumulated in life had been taken away from him. His children were taken away from him, his health. And in Job 1, 20 through 21, it says that at this Job got up and he tore his robe and he shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He understood that God owned everything. Therefore, if I'm going to handle money and possessions in a biblical manner, I have to realize that it's not really mine. It's on loan to me from God. Therefore, I am his manager. I am his steward. Have you heard the term stewardship? And I cannot have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ if I ignore the financial area of my life. He is either Lord of every area of our lives or we have to question, is he Lord at all? And I've had to struggle with this. If I say, I want to worship you, Lord, 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 I love you, Lord. Do you know what Lord means? 
You submit everything. And I've struggled with this. So this key mind shift is so important. So there is a biblical way to handle money. And Jesus would send out his disciples with the good news. And he gave them this principle in Matthew 10, 18. He says this, freely you have received, freely give. Except you have freely received it and be willing to freely give it. So here's the litmus test, the critical test for us to ask ourselves when it relates to money and are we really viewing ourselves as stewards? Two questions. Do you grasp that the only reason you have money is because God has given it to you? Therefore, we are stewards and we have to manage it the way that God desires. And secondly, the second test is are you willing to give it away? Are you willing to be generous? And those are questions I just want you to struggle with. Can you struggle with me this morning? And if you're upset by this talk, don't be. As I said last week, this is something that I'm not asking from you. This is something that I want for you. I want for all of us. And I want for South Valley Church. Because the blessings of God get unleashed in a powerful way when the people of God understand that they are stewards. Last week we addressed a myth and you say, well, Tim, I would give more away if I had more. And the truth is, that's no truth at all. That's one of the, the myths that we follow in our life. And Jesus is not concerned about what you would do if, what, if you had more. He's concerned with what are you doing with what you currently have, whether it's a little or a lot. Remember we let, read Luke 16.10 last week. Whoever, Jesus says, can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So he's not concerned about what you would do if you had. He's concerned about what are you doing with what you have right now. How are you managing what you have? So what I want to talk to you about this morning is let's level up. And what I mean by leveling up is step up. What can we do to see where we are and how can we level up? Are you with me, South Valley? Can we level up today? At least think through it. At least please me for just a few minutes. Are you willing to level up? All three of you, thank you. And so we're willing to level up. So let's change our mindset on giving. And I want you just as we go through these next five levels of giving just ask yourself this question where am I where are we as a family the first level level one is where many people start and that is where they give but they're motivated to give by self-interest every one of us in this room gives because we're motivated to give out of self-interest every one of us in some capacity we give out of self-interest Maybe you're a member of a fitness club. And that fitness club offers something to you, so you give to that fitness club because of something you're getting back. Are you with me? Maybe there's some club that you're a part of, a book club or a health club, a social club. You pay dues to something because you are receiving something from it. It offers you something, and so you say, well, I'm getting something from it, so I need to give back to it. That's this level of giving. And for many people who attend church that have this mindset about giving, their mindset is, well, we come to church and we have our kids in children's ministry and they do a pretty good job over there in children's ministry. They're giving a service to my family and me, so we need to give a little bit to help support the ministry that we are getting something from. 
Or I really like Celebrate Recovery, and it's done a lot of good for my family and me, and the church is so sacrificial in making sure that it runs 52 weeks out of the year. Am I correct? And, and so we want to give something back because we have received so much from it. You're motivated by self-interest. So the way that it works in church then, when you're asked to give an offering, many people don't realize that the church, I had a person ask me one time, why do you talk on money? Because the government supports the church, right? They actually thought they were new to church altogether. I said, no, the the ministry of the church is 100% supported by the giving of the people who attend. And he was like, you're kidding me. I said, no. The thing is, sometimes so in church, when we say, okay, can you go and give to the donation stations or give online? Um, and you think, okay, well, that was a pretty good sermon, so I, I'm, I'm going to give a little bit because I like that sermon. Or I, I, like, I like the way John led worship today, so I'm going to give a little bit. You know what this mindset is? It is a tipping mindset. So if I like the service that I received from a restaurant then I'm going to tip the server. But if I don't like the service that I receive, I'm not going to give you a tip. And many people do that with church. We tip God. This is a consumeristic mindset. And so this approach to the offering, and the offering comes week in and week out, and you give out a self-interest. You're getting... So you give. Now, I'm not knocking that completely. Please hear me. I think it's a starting place. But your challenge is to level up. Are you with me? Your challenge is to level up. But let me tell you some sad facts. In every church that I have pastored, including the one that I am currently pastoring, Over 50% of the congregation does not even give a tip to God. Over 50%. And it burns my hide. Can you tell? (laughs) And you'll see why here in a minute. We've got to step up. Our growth, we've got to grow. And so we go to level two. Level two is when we're motivated to give out of gratitude. We're motivated to give out of gratitude. Psalm 116.12 says, How can I repay the Lord for all of His goodness to me? And this level of spiritual growth in our life, we simply say, God gave His one and only Son for me, and I'm forgiven for my past. I have help in my present. I have the promise of an eternity with Him in the future. How could I not be grateful for that? I've got to give. I have to give. I'm grateful for what he's, He's given me. Level two, gratitude to God motivates you to give. You give because you understand what he's given to you. I've had conversations even this morning about people saying, well, tell me again where you're from. West Virginia is where I grew up. And you'll see little emblems on my truck, WV. Some people think it's a Wonder Woman symbol. It's not. (laughs) Um, And I remember growing up, Not with a lot, but I didn't even realize it as a kid. My dad was a coal miner. 
And I didn't know till later in life, mom and dad struggled financially. And my mom would, she, she didn't graduate from high school. She later went back and got her GED. And she would stand over an ironing board and iron clothes for 25 cents a piece, shirts. So that my two sisters and I could have a little bit of extra. The time my dad got permission for me, right before he retired and he closed down, shut down the coal mine, I was 24 years old and got to go in the coal mine for the first time. Miles and miles and miles back into this mountain. It scared the life out of me. First time I've ever experienced total darkness. My dad was a small guy. He thought it would be funny once we got back into a part of the mine that had been shut down if he'd turn off my light and his light. Couldn't see in front of my face. It was, it was scary. And at the end of that day, walking out and asking dad, why did you do this? And he said, so that your sisters and you could have the opportunity for something better. So later, when I began to make some money of my own, you better believe, what am I going to do with my parents when I find out that there's a need? I'm going to do everything I can to give back to them. How could I not know their sacrifice and be stingy and not be generous with them. And it, friends, it blows my mind that many of us would stand and raise our hands and sing to the glory of God and His love and His mercy and His grace and His goodness and how He saved us and yet we won't give back to further His work and His kingdom. It blows my mind. And we get upset when the pastor talks about it. it blows my mind. Level one is your... Motivated by self-interest. Level two is you're motivated by gratitude. Level three giving is when you're motivated by obedience. So you're grateful, but you want to learn more and more. And so beyond gratitude from what you've received from God, forgiveness and love, you say, now, I'm calling him my Lord and my master. What does he desire for me? So this is where we start talking about percentage giving in the church that I determine a percentage of my income that comes right off the top and I'm going to trust God to provide for me. We use the term tithe in our church, which means 10%. I wish I had time to, to walk you through more of that. The Bible teaches about this. It's basically 10% of what you earn. You give back to God. You just determine that and you give back to God. Where this is talked about a lot is in the Old Testament, and we'll get back to some New Testament stuff, but one of the passages of Scripture that often gets quoted that is very significant in understanding this is in the book of Malachi. Now, the book of Malachi is very interesting. I did a series on it in January for our church in Modesto. Malachi is a very interesting book because the people of God are coming to the temple every week, but God is distant from them. The people are coming to the temple to worship and they're not experiencing God's presence anymore. And they're mad at God. And so in chapter 1 of Malachi, he says, You want to know why I'm not showing up to your worship services? Because you give me leftovers. You give everybody else the best of your time and your talents, and you bring leftovers to me. 
and you want me to bless you for that. You know what he says? I wish you would just lock the church doors and not even show up because I'm not going to be there if you're going to bring me leftovers. Whoa. Malachi, man, a feisty, a feisty prophet. Chapter 2, he talks about, you want to know why you're struggling relationally? It's because I'm not a part of your relationships. In chapter 3, they're wanting to know why they're struggling financially. And here's what he says. Verses 7 through 12 of Malachi 3. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And then he asks this question. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe, which means 10%, into the storehouse, which was the place where ministry happened and needs got distributed, it met in the community, things got distributed, that there may be food in my house. And then he says this, the only time in Scripture that we're given permission to test God, he says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your field will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Do you hear what he's saying? Put me first in your finances, and I'm going to bless you. You won't be able to explain it. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel where you come and sow a seed with money, and you're going to be blessed by millions. That's not what he's talking about here. That's not even biblical. Blessings of God, as I said last week, can come in various different capacities. Contentment, peace. God gave, told the Israelites, you're robbing me. And they said, how? And he said, in tithes and offerings. So bring your whole tithe here, he says. And some people say, well, Tim, that's Old Testament teaching. That's under the law of the Old Testament. New Testament is about grace. And we're not under the law in the New Testament. Well, it's a misunderstanding. The tithe was established before the law was established in the Old Testament. But let me just ask a question in this next little chart that I'm going to show you. Which is the higher standard, Old Testament law or New Testament grace? So look at this chart. Under the Old Testament... We're told, do not commit murder. In the New Testament, under grace, Jesus said, anyone who hates his brother has committed murder. Which is the higher standard? Grace. In the Old Testament, we're told, do not commit adultery. Jesus says, in the New Testament, whoever lusts commits adultery in his or her heart. Which is the higher standard? Grace. We're told, don't swear falsely using God's name. And Jesus says in the New Testament, don't swear at all, which is the higher standard, grace. We're said in the Old Testament, the tithe is to be set aside for the Lord. In the New Testament, it says, give as you prosper. So it doesn't make sense that you take the Old Testament law and you take New Testament grace and that every area that we talk about in the Old Testament, under New Testament grace, the expectation is elevated. It doesn't make any sense that in one area it would be decreased doesn't make any sense in fact Jesus in an indirect way alluded to this in Matthew 23 23 when he's rebuking some religious people he said woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees you hypocrites you give a tenth 
Now look how much they tithe everything. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and forgiveness. And now notice what he says. You should have practiced the latter issues of justice without neglecting the former, tithing. This is obedience-motivated giving. And friends, let me tell you what the real issue is here. And again, I don't have time to flesh it out. But the real issue when it comes to determining a percentage, and I challenge you to tithe, determining a percentage and giving it first to God, the real issue is not an issue of finances. Listen, church, I get excited about this. The real issue is not an issue of finances. The real issue is an issue of trust. Do I trust God to do what He says that He will do if I put Him first in my finances? And let me tell you something. If you can't trust Him in finances, the real question is, can He really be trusted at all? So He says, test me. Level up. So self-interest is one level. Level two is gratitude. Level three is obedience level giving. Level four is when we're motivated by vision, and I would say spiritual vision. You begin to understand that Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world, friends. Jesus is the hope of the world. Let me tell you something. Our government elected officials are not the hope of the world. There is no policy that is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. And friends, I believe it to the core of my being. I believe wholeheartedly that there is nothing, 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 no problem in the world that discipleship to Jesus Christ cannot resolve. He's the hope of the world. And he's given us this strange vehicle to drive this hope into the world. You know what the vehicle's called? The church. Ecclesia, which means the called out ones. You see, church is not primarily something you come to. It's something you go from with a message that Jesus is the hope of the world. And when people capture that, you want to give to it. You begin to be captured by the lives that are being impacted by the things that you're doing locally and nationally and globally. Man, I've loved it when our church at the well in Modesto has been grasped by this. So people started coming to me when the pandemic hit last year, asking me this question, because we couldn't meet. The question was not, well, the question was, what can we do? Not, what are we limited in doing? And so people who understood and grasped this said, well, Jesus is the hope of the world, and right now there are people in need, and we have this wonderful feeding ministry that goes out of this little tiny church. You should come to our campus. It's smaller than your chapel, the church building itself. And about a 10 by 20 tough shed, we feed hundreds of families each week out of there with donations of food. And so we got together and said, what can we do? And we said, well, we can't expand what we're doing, but we don't have the resources. But we just tried. And we started serving instead of 100 families per month, over 400 families per month. And then there was an organization called Second Harvest that said, hey, we would like to come on your campus once a month and distribute about 300 boxes of food for families. And they're continuing to do it today because something happens when people grasp a spiritual vision for making a difference. You've been a church that's been like that over the years. 
In fact, you partnered with the well in Modesto. You may not even have known it. When the creek fires destroyed parts of uh, a lot of Sierra National Forest and People in our church were so moved by that. Said Tim, "What can we do?" And through a, I could tell you a miraculous story, but I'll just say, three of us went to where some of the fire victims were being housed in Fresno, and just by it would have to be a divine movement of God. We connected with the family who lived just down the hill from Cressman's, if you know where I'm talking about, and they were one of the few houses where the fire skipped over, and. The insurance, they had a lot of smoke damage and a lot of damage to their property and they couldn't get back into their house and the insurance wasn't going to pay for it. And so our church raised $15,000 to help them get back in their home. And then you received a special offering that you gave to us and it went to another family that helped get them an RV so that they could live on their property. And that Tabor family, you know what they did? They cleaned up their property and then they, they offered it as a, a place for the families who were impacted by the fire to come, have food, be encouraged, get resources. It became a little hub, a life-saving station of sorts for people in that entire community. That would have never have happened if there hadn't been a few people who were grasped by a spiritual vision, who realize that we've got to fund the kingdom of God because that's going to last for eternity. My kingdom can wait. You invest your money for earth to be transformed as it is into heaven. And this church has done that. For many years, 25% of your budget has gone towards missions giving or giving outside of this church. Please continue to do so. God has blessed this church and maintained this church and helped this church during a very difficult time, I believe, because of your faithfulness in giving. Self-interest, gratitude, obedience, and last. Level five is when we're motivated to give out of love. We're motivated to give out of love. So I keep leveling up and I get to the point where I have to give because love makes me do it. You see this all through the pages of Scripture. In John chapter 12, Jesus is in Lazarus' home. This woman, perhaps Mary, we don't know who it was, but perhaps Mary, came and she brings this very expensive bottle of perfume, maybe a year's worth of wages, and she pours it over Jesus. And some are furious at her waste. And if you were to ask her why she did that, I bet she would say this. Love made me do it. There's a poor widow that is in the temple in Luke 21. Maybe she watches as rich women and men come and go and they take out their wallets and they pour in large sums of money, but she doesn't have much. But she goes over and she drops in her two little pennies. And Jesus says to his disciples, she gave the biggest offering today. And they're like, what? He said, oh, all these others gave out of their wealth. She, out of her poverty, gave all that she had. And I bet if you ask that widow why she do that, her response would be, love made me do it. 
Obedience says, I'll give a percentage. And I say, shoot for 10%. But love says, give sacrificially. After all, that's what love is. Agape love is self-sacrificing love. I'm going to sacrifice something of my own for the betterment of something else or someone else. And I've watched throughout my years of ministry and have experienced it some on our own, my wife and I, when we've given self-sacrificially and we've had to not have some things that we wanted, but watch how the impact, it impacts other people's lives. And I tell you, the joy that is brought into your heart because you know that you've helped in expanding the influence and kingdom of God is so overwhelming that no toy that you could buy would ever bring you that fulfillment. Several years ago, I was invited by Saddleback Church and Rick Warren to do some teaching in India. And so uh, a team, four of us, went to India and we were assigned to Patna, India, which is in the state of Bihar. So it's in the very northern part of India along the border of Nepal. What I didn't know at the time is that this was the most poverty-stricken area of India. And I'd hardly traveled out of the country, so I was kind of scared. And we had been told that we were going to be meeting in an auditorium. It's the largest auditorium that they had in their capital city of Patna, seated about 1,000, maybe 1,100, and that there had never been a Christian gathering in that city. And so they were concerned for our safety somewhat. Well, when we got there, they told us that there had been about 500 registered, but we soon discovered that there were 1,700 people there. They caught wind that this conference was going to be going on. I honestly thought that they thought Rick Warren was going to be there, but they, so they showed up. And after the first few hours of teaching, because it went all day long, and people came and they camped outside the arena, and there were armed guards everywhere. It was pretty clear to me that what we had come to prepared to present to these folks was not what they needed. These were very, very, very poor people in abject poverty. And so I started changing some of my talks and based upon what the interpreter was telling me, some of them were saying is that, well, we don't have much to offer our community. We have so little. We don't have much to offer. And all that kept going through my mind was God is not concerned with what you don't have. What do you have that you can give? And I shared with them a story of a friend of mine who was pastoring a church back in Chillicothe, Ohio. And they were doing a building campaign many years ago, before internet and all this. They were doing a building campaign. And so they had set up a specific Sunday that they were going to receive a large offering. And I believe that what they wanted to receive in one offering was around, I don't know, $250,000, $300,000, which was a lot. This would have been in the late 70s, early, early 80s. And so they received the offering of the morning. Um, and he was going to go with a group of people and, and uh, they were going to count the money and then they were going to come back later in the evening and have a celebration time with the church family. They were inviting them back and they would announce the total for this offering for them to build a building. He said, but after church, what happened is this little lady came up to me. Her name was Helen. And Helen came to me and she handed me one of the offering envelopes. And she said, Pastor, here's my offering. And he said, I honestly didn't think much of it because we'd already received the offering. And he said, I stuck it in my jacket pocket. And so later that day when I got home, uh, we had already counted the money and we'd, we'd surpassed our goal by several thousand dollars. And, you know, we were going to have a big celebration at night. And he said, 
I grabbed my coat to go back over to the church, and I remembered that, oh, Helen's offering was in my, my, in my pocket, and he grabbed it, and he opened it, and it was about $3.10 all in coins with a note that said, it's all I have to give. And so he got in touch with Helen before that meeting that night, and he said, Helen, what's this about? And she said, oh, pastor, I felt so bad, but it's, it's really all I had to give. And as the offering was being passed, I just said, God, I'm, I'm widow Helen Douglas. I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything. I just, and, and, and God clearly spoke to me, not in an audible voice, but clearly said, Helen, just give what you have. And she said, so all during your sermon, I wasn't listening at all. I'm like, well, that's not unusual, right? And all through your sermon, I was just, I was get, get going in my purse trying to, and I found, I found what, all the change that I had in my purse. And he said, Helen, take this back. I, we, we don't need this. You take it back. And she said, oh, pastor, no, 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 no. I am being obedient to God. You don't tell me what to do. <laughs> he asked for permission to share that story that night. So they announced the total and everybody was celebrating. The church was packed. They were going to get their new building started. And he said, Pastor did, folks, I'm going to tell you about the largest gift that was given today. And he pulled out his envelope with $3.10. And he talked about how Helen had said it's all she had to give. There wasn't a dry eye in the place. And then suddenly a man in the back corner stood up and said, Pastor, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Can I buy one of her coins for $1,000? Another one popped up. I'll take one of those pennies for 500 And then over the next few minutes, people sprung up all over the church. And Helen's $3.10 and change became something like $31,500. It was the largest gift that was given. So I shared this with the people in India. Later that afternoon, they were taking an offering. And we would sit off stage and then we would have an interpreter. And so as we're sitting off stage, we're noticing that something is happening after they've counted the offering. They wanted to help some, some children who needed education in the area. And again, these are the poorest of the poor. And they're, they're talking about this offering, and the stage lights are kind of bright here. You can't really see what's going on off to the stage. And we notice that there's like this argument that's starting to develop. And we're like, what's going on? Where's it? We've got to get our interpreter because we're getting scared. The guy on stage would say something, and a guy would pop up, and he would, they would be screaming back and forth at each other. I'm like, what's going on? we got our interpreter, and their inter he said, well, what's happening is that when they went back to count the offering, in the offering was this old watch held together by tape, but it had a note attached to it saying, it's all I have to give. And you see that guy that's standing up right there? He's one of the government officials that came to watch and maybe arrest some of us if we said the wrong things. And he's offering to buy that watch. And these guys over here are bidding him up. I said, you've got to be kidding me we got to get in on the action. I looked at the four guys with me. I said, get the wallets out, boys. Here we go. Do you know they started bidding us up? 
And $1,200 later, we had us a watch that I carry with me everywhere I go. We found out that it was a college student. She was in her early 20s wanting to be a medical doctor. And she just said, I was so moved by the story, I really don't have anything to give. And I looked, and this was the only thing that I had. That government official wanted to know who gave it if we knew, and we explained the story. She gave us permission to. And the non-Christian government official paid for her education. Something miraculous happens when we submit our resources to God. He's able to take our little and do much. One day you and I are going to stand in heaven and we're going to look at our Savior and we're going to see the nail prints in his hand and feet. We're going to see his pierced side. We're going to see the beauty of Jesus and and what he has sacrificed for us. And we're going to ask him, why did you do this? And he will respond, love made me do it. At that point, I hope that everybody else here in this room can say, and Jesus, I loved you so much that love made me give to Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you that you're a God who loved us so much that you gave your only son. And scripture tells us that anybody who believes in him will be saved. And maybe you're here today and even though this has been a message on giving... Maybe today would be the day that you realize how much Jesus loves you, friend. Whether you're watching online or you're here in this room listening. And maybe you would just ask him into your heart. Ask him to forgive you of your past. To help you right now in the present. He promises to give you his Holy Spirit that will help guide and teach you. And if you're making a decision like that today, please put it on a card or let somebody know so that we can help you with your next steps. And for those of us who are here this morning, just ask yourself this question in response to what you've heard today. Lord, what would you have me do? And maybe you'll hear his voice say, level up. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And we thank you so much for South Valley Church. Amen. Well, that's it, folks. Thank you for being here today. Be sure you come back next week. God bless you all and have a fabulous Sunday, okay? We'll see you later. Bye-bye.